1: The difference between having a day where you overeat and binge eating disorder is having that habit or using it as a coping mechanism or using it to get a sense of control in the world.
0: Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret, I'll tell you mine. The best way to support the show is to subscribe and share if you haven't left a review or ratings on itunes please do it helps more people find our show and if you want to be on it please shoot me a note at secret at icloud.com Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Breanne Davis-Gantt. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. I mean, you know, those dark, deep secrets we probably want to go to our deathbed with or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Jen. Now, Jen, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret?
1: My secret is that I have an eating disorder. And more specifically, I have binge eating disorder, which is kind of like the redheaded stepchild of eating disorders. (laughs) Now, why do you call it the redheaded stepchild? I have had this pretty much my entire life. My first memory of a binge episode was when I was probably three or four. Really? I'm pretty sure I was genetically set up to having eating disorder. And there's some research that goes both ways. Um, But for the longest time, I could not get help for my eating disorder. I couldn't find any research. When I finally started getting help for it, they couldn't classify me as a binge eating disorder patient. I was classified as a non-purging bulimic. So there was really nothing they had set up for binge eaters, even though I'm sure it's a lot more common than it really is because a lot of people don't know about it. There was just nothing out there for binge eaters for a really long time. So
0: let's go back. You said it, the first episode was at three. Do you remember it or did someone tell you about it? That's the first memory I have of
1: having a binge episode was when I was probably three or four. I think it was right before kindergarten. So what happened? I just remember eating and eating until I felt really sick and I kind of was in a trance. And that's how most of my binge eating episodes are where I don't always know they're happening when they're happening. And then I'll have a moment where I kind of wake up in the middle of it. Wow. So it's almost like you go out of body. Is that what happens? Like you disconnect so much? Yeah, definitely more often that was the way it is. Now that I'm working toward recovery, I'm much better at recognizing it a lot faster or recognizing signs or preventing them, which hopefully that's the longer goal. But it's it's
0: definitely an out-of-body experience. There's no question. Okay, but I still want to go back to the three years old because I find that so fascinating. First of all, in my childhood, I blacked out a lot of my childhood. I don't remember my childhood at all, which is kind of scary that's a whole other episode. But my point is, what do you remember doing and eating and where were you at three years old? I don't have
1: a lot of those specifics in my memory. I just remember the feeling of like waking up of like, what happened? Like, why did I just eat this? And I I don't have a ton of memories from when I was little. My first memory, I was two. I remember my brother's first birthday and I would have been two. (laughs) But- it's not super specific and i know i mean i have memories of this from elementary school middle school high school college adulthood so i i also wonder sometimes how much of the memory is that memory on its own Versus other memories coming in. But I do know I've had this struggle my entire life. There's no
0: question. Okay. So you can't remember that specific. Can you remember a specific one? Because I would love the listeners to know what that moment is for you. Because when you say you binge eat it and like, did you like wake up from out and like things were all around the floor or where, like, can you just give us a description of that, those kind of moments?
1: I mean, the most common one I would say is I make something for dinner that's supposed to be four meals. And the next thing I know, it's all gone.
0: And I feel like a lot of people probably do that and they don't talk about it. Like you make this big, let's say like chicken pot pie and you eat most of it. Or is that like, it's it's that you just don't even think about it.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of like that. But I think the difference between I mean, you can almost do the comparison with anorexia. The difference between watching what you eat, anorexia is taking it to the extreme or having a habit of it. The difference between having a day where you overeat and binge eating disorder is having that habit or using it as a coping mechanism or using
0: it to get a sense of control in the world. Okay. So when you felt like you were using food... To have a sense of control in the world. What age were you? What happened? What was that moment where you literally admitted to yourself, like, I have a problem? I don't actually know
1: exactly when I admitted it to myself because a big part of keeping it a secret for a long time was essentially a secret from myself. Yeah. I think probably the end of college or right after college is when I finally was like, this is not a lifestyle I can live the rest of my life. This is not healthy. This is not helping me. And when I was 22, I think mm-hmm. it was, I had to have a hip surgery completely unrelated to my eating disorder and I was overweight and when you go into surgery overweight, it's not healthy. Yeah. So I did a medically completely medically supported diet It's very extreme. I had to go into the hospital every week for monitoring, but basically it's 600 calories a day only doing these medically supervised shakes. Oh my God. How was that? Honestly, it was the greatest time of
0: my life. Okay. Explain. I, 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 (laughs) that was just so you know, my mouth was ajar and I had no idea that was going to be her answer. Okay. Go ahead. The first probably three days were miserable.
1: Like I was like, I need to be done with this. But then, I didn't have to think about food at all. There was nothing I had to, I could completely be sober from food, which you can't really be sober from food in a normal life, but having just these medical shakes, that was my world with food and that's it. And I wish I could live like, and also, you know, I lost a lot of weight. That was really great. And my surgery was fine today. Actually, tomorrow um, is the 14 years since I've had my hip surgery. (laughs) So almost my surgery anniversary. But yeah, Aww. and I, I did that diet a second time after that because I did gain weight back. But just the
0: freedom to not have to even look at food was awesome. It like takes away that obsession. I know for me, like my addiction is really difficult because we have to relate to people. Mm-hmm. And you know, and in your addiction, you have to eat food. It's not like drugs and alcohol where we can just disregard it like for the rest of our lives. We have to figure out a way not to be obsessed with it and to bring it back in a healthy way
1: exactly. And I've said, and obviously, all addiction is awful and horrible, but I have said, like I wish I was an alcoholic. I wish I was a drug addict because, oh my God, it would be so easy to go sober from that versus food.
0: I completely agree. I feel like it's like the money, the food, and the sex and the love are the hardest. I always said, well, we had this heroin addict come in one time when he says it was easier to quit heroin than it was to quit this girl. And that was a wake up call for me. Like these illnesses can kill us more than any other one. So you had this bottom at 22, like, I don't want to live this life. And then you had that obsession of food taken away. And you said you gained the weight back. What happened? Was there something traumatic that happened? No, it, it's
1: just not the fix that it, you know, it was a great tool. And I'm sure if I did more intensive therapy or more, you know, self-reflection at that time, Maybe I could have found a way to bring food back into my world in a healthy way. So I regained the weight, decided to do the diet again, lost all the weight again, and
0: regained the weight again. And oh, so just this roller coaster right now that you've been on.
1: Yeah. And it's, I, as much as I want to say, oh, I would love to do this diet again. Like, I know that's not the right choice for me. Like That's not going to get me to a healthy relationship with food because there's either I mean, I don't want to say there's no way to reintroduce food from that diet because I have friends who are in the program who did amazing and have kept all the weight off and have a really healthy relationship for food. But for me, my journey to recovery is not cold turkey and finding a way to bring it back. I haven't figured out what my journey to recovery quite uh, is yet,
0: but that's just not it. So are you holding any other secrets around this right now? Like, do people in your life know that you're still struggling with this? Or this? I is don't a- know.
1: I don't know if they know how much I struggle. I've definitely talked to my family. Uh, quarantine is especially hard for eating disorders because I have to keep food in my house that I might not want there. I have to get a week's worth of food at one time versus getting one or two days. So I've definitely talked about how much that's a struggle. And I, I also blog. About my eating disorder and many other things. And I've written about how this is
0: just not easy. Yeah. Which I do want to get all your information at the end so people can check it out if they're also struggling with this problem. Because I know at a young age, I had an eating disorder. So I'm just going to be tr- very transparent. So I understand how hard it is. I had it on the other side. I like it was my control was like restriction.
1: I think what's funny with eating disorders is in some ways I wish that was what my eating disorder was. And then I have friends who were anorexic and like, I wish binge eating was my struggle. Like you
0: always want what you don't have. Yeah. Yeah. The opposite addiction. (laughs) It's that compare and despair. You're like, I have it worse than you. I wish I had yours. And the other person is like, mine is really bad. You do not want mine. I want yours. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, obviously
1: people can die from both and there are serious health issues and that You have the same struggle with how do you find sobriety with an eating disorder when you have to encounter your issue multiple times a day, every single day for the rest of your life?
0: That's the thing. That's what I really want to get at is this is like a lifelong struggle. Everybody that I know that has dealt with this kind of issue has dealt with it their entire life. Like that small like voice in your head is always either counting the calories or wanting one more slice. Like is do you feel like you're wrestling with your brain? It's a mix
1: of I want to count the calories because I also need a sense of reality. If I have a binge in my head, I'm like, well, I just completely blew the entire day. I might as well just keep going horribly. But if I actually sat down and wrote down, okay, what's every single thing I had today? Maybe it's not that bad. So Mm. sometimes I need that sense of reality, but then other times I just can't deal with it and I can't confront it. So yeah, I do have that battle going back and forth of which one is the right thing for me today. And it's not always what I consider the right thing because my brain likes to tell me the wrong stuff all the time.
0: Yeah, you don't trust an addict's brain. Normally they take us down the wrong road. So do you keep that journal, like what you eat? Do you count those calories to keep you you know, on the right track?
1: I try. I do track something every single day, no matter what, whether I'm a hundred percent accurate or not is kind of a hit or miss. It definitely depends on my mood. Sometimes it depends if I've had a binge eating episode, you know, there's so many factors with it, but I've, I've held myself accountable to, I'm not going to completely ignore an entire day of food, no matter what. I will always track at least one thing to
0: hold myself accountable to that. Interesting. Okay, I do have this question and I love to ask everybody this. I like to talk about the seven deadly sins. Now, it's not in the religious sense. It's more in the sense of character defects that all humans have. So which of these you know, ring true for you and why? So I'm gonna name them for you. So we got pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth.
1: So I think there's two sets of answers to this. One is... The sins that relate to my secret, which technically is no longer a secret now because I have been much more open. But then the other one is the sins that relate to keeping it a secret. So oh, okay. Answer both then. I love yeah. that. So I think for my ing disorder, the sins that work for it would be pride, thinking I have the right way of living. This is fine. I'm okay. I know what I'm doing. Um, greed and gluttony, I think you kind of have to put in there because that kind of fits. Yeah, I agree. As much as I don't want to consider it, I think you have to. And then anger, being angry at your body or your mind for betraying you, for lying to you, for misleading you, for making you do things you don't want to do. And then the sins that I think it is that I think relate to keeping my eating disorder a secret similar things. I think pride in not wanting other people to know or to have them, to make them be able to say that they're better than you or healthier than you. Um, Or they have all the answers and you're failing somehow. Exactly. Um, I unfortunately had a family member who was very verbally abusive to me that liked to say, you know, being fat is the worst thing. No one in the family loves you everyone wishes you weren't a member of the family. And I never wanted that person to know that I had an eating disorder because I felt like they would probably use it against me.
0: Mm,
1: Yeah. Um, And I think anger works for keeping it a secret because you don't want someone to tell you you're wrong and how you're living and force you to change. And then envy that I was envious of my friends who had normal lives and normal relationships with food and all of that, even though now that I'm more open about it, no one has
0: a normal relationship with food. No one does, no one. And I agree, and I'm so glad you said that. But I do want to hit real quick, and I, I think we're missing something, at least for the listeners. What are those things that you identify that trigger you to binge? Do you, Are you aware of what like those are? There's are some
1: that I'm definitely aware. I know boredom is a big one for a lot of people. That's not always a trigger, But that can be a big one is just like wanting a sense of control in the world, like go out with a guy and then turns out he's going to ghost me. Well, then I'm going to go binge because like, I can't control this guy no longer contacting me, which sucks. Mm -hmm. I can control something else. Yeah. So control is definitely one. And I think something that they really don't say a lot about binge eating disorder is food is awesome. Food is good. Food is delicious. Sometimes you do just want to eat all the ice cream and you just don't have that thing in your brain that turns it off
0: yeah it's that I agree like if there's a white like white frosting white cake at a party like I want to eat the whole thing I get it like the immediate when I put the cake in my mouth I am high as a kite like I love like dessert but then it's like for me sometimes I would eat it so fast because. I didn't want my mind to stop me. Do you have that? Or is it yeah, just I, me? <laughs>
1: I think that's a big part of binging is it is rapid consumption of food. Yeah. Because not only do you not want your brain to realize what you're doing, but you almost want to trick your stomach because you are going to get full. You may get very sick. I, I don't throw up because I binge, but I have thrown up from binging. There's definitely a difference in those two. And so you want to be able to almost trick your stomach into not getting you sick. And the easiest way to do that is very fast consumption of food.
0: Okay, good. I didn't want to be the only one. Like, you know, you see those cookies and you're like, I just want to eat all these cookies because I'm feeling feelings, but I don't want to feel these feelings.
1: At the same <laughs> and- time, there's also, I don't, I don't know how common this is with other eating disorders. I know for binge eating, I have several people who've told me the same thing. You want to make sure you end your binge with the perfect bite of food. And there's no way to describe what perfect means because it's not anything definable. It's just you feel like, okay, that was a good last bite. And maybe the one before it wasn't right. Or like if it's French fries, well, that fry wasn't right. You have to have a different one to end it on.
0: Mm. And so
1: sometimes you're still seeking what is that right food to end things with. And when I have those moments, like thankfully at this point in my journey in recovery, those moments are when I can stop myself much easier than anything else because I know it's there's no such thing as a perfect bite of food. It's
0: insanity. There's just, you could go forever. That's true, so true. Okay, I do, who do you think this secret has benefited and who do you think it's harmed?
1: I think in the beginning, keeping it a secret was benefiting myself the most. I don't think I was ready to confront it. I don't, I don't think there was much help out there for me at the time if I did get help when I was younger, but again, who knows? And I think a big part of it was not letting that person in my life who was verbally abusive know, and that was protecting me
0: because I was already dealing with all the other crap that they were throwing at me. Right. But you did say something and I want to hit, like you said, it benefited you because there wasn't much information. I do have to agree when, you know, back in the nineties and eighties that they didn't think it was a disease and that you could just stop. And it is. Well, and also there was no internet really. Yeah. Oh, there was no, you would have to go to the library and like scroll down and try to find it. But I think it's more, I don't
1: think there were AOL chat rooms for eating disorders either. (laughs) No, I don't think they were (laughs) there were. So, that little ding, ding, ding. Or exactly. Whatever. <laughs> so I don't think, I don't want to say if I had gotten help when I was younger, it would have harmed me, but seeing the help I got when I was considered a non-purging bulimic versus the help that I've gotten when I've been properly diagnosed, I do wonder if there could have been more damage or harm than good getting treatment the incorrect
0: way. Got you. Okay. So How are you moving forward knowing all that? How are you taking care of yourself now? So I do have a therapist
1: that I'm happy with. Um, I don't necessarily go to therapy to figure myself out because I've kind of gotten to the end of the road of that. And we've also come to the conclusion that it most likely is a genetic thing with me. Mm.
0: Um, Does it run in
1: your family? Yeah. There are a lot of people, not binge eating disorders specifically, but issues with food. Mm.
0: So, yes, my my family too. My family too. So I
1: totally get that. Yeah. So you know, I don't go to therapy as much for like I need to figure this out or I need to talk. But there is a medication now that does get prescribed for binge eating disorder to help make the binges not as severe, not as often. So I am on that. Um, we're looking at other medications that may be able to help. But I think the best thing that I'm doing for myself is not keeping it a secret anymore and being open and honest. Yes. I, there's no point in keeping it a secret. Like there's nothing for me to be ashamed about. It sucks, but everyone has their issues. But since I've become open, I've learned so many people I know have either this eating disorder or another eating disorder. There are people who have found me on social media or my blog who have thanked me for, you know, putting it out there because that got them to get help. I've, Join different Facebook groups that have help. And I've done a lot of research and listening to podcasts and reading books. And at some point I will get to recovery. It's not today. It's probably not going to be tomorrow. I highly doubt it's going to be during quarantine, (laughs) but it's going to happen. And I think all the things that I'm doing right now are the building steps to get me to that point.
0: And you know, it's fine. I love that you talked about finding a community because that's why I'm doing this. The moment I broke my anonymity, which I never planned to do, everybody, people reached out to me and they're like, oh, I do that. And I didn't have a name for it. And I think that when you build a community around you, it makes you accountable. And to really, you know, look at like when you slip or talk about it, talk about the shame we feel. And what would you tell? And I just want us to ask this one more question. What would you tell your younger self? Before I
1: answer that, I actually want to yes. say one thing oh, that's please. kind of yeah. funny. Yes, about please. About being anonymous. So I I have a blog now. I write it as myself. I'm very open who I am. My first blog I started was anonymous and was about my eating disorder. And I was not going to, I decided I didn't like it. It was just too much. Started a new blog. I was not going to write about my eating disorder. And then finally, I just said, I can't. I mean, it was very early in my blogging that I I can't lie. I'm just going to be open and honest and just put it out there. So I understand the difference of telling your secret while anonymous versus telling your secret as yourself. And it's so powerful to tell it as yourself. And I don't think telling it anonymously can get you even a fraction
0: of the benefits that I have gotten from being open about myself. I love that you said I, I, this is crazy. This is really crazy. Because when I started 11 years ago, I started a blog, and I it had the word secret in it, which is nuts. And my, my husband reminded me of it. And I was writing it while I was going through withdrawal. And I didn't tell anybody about it and I stopped doing it because it didn't ring true for me. How crazy is that? Like we both had that experience.
1: It feels almost like you're writing as a character and not as yourself and you're lying to the world about what you're dealing with because so much of what you deal with is about you and is about you as a person. It's not a general thing. Hmm. And I I love that. Sorry. I
0: just, I almost got chill bumps because I was like, oh my God, that's so weird. We both did that. But I agree. It just didn't, it didn't feel like it was connected as much for me.
1: And I will also say I was definitely terrified about being very open and honest as far as, you know, being an actor, but my agents were just like, that's cool. Like they don't really care.
0: I know my, I told my agent, I'm like, HuffPost is coming out. FYI, this is what, and she was in shock. She was like, oh my God, I had no idea. Like, (laughs)
1: yeah, I don't want to say like, they don't care as in like, they don't care, but it's like, okay, doesn't really change anything about you. Like they actually have there have been auditions I have gotten because they were looking for someone who had a binge eating disorder so that they could submit me to it.
0: Oh, I love that. Look, you're using your struggle in your art and that's so healing. So I go back to the last question because that's (laughs) important to me. Like when people are going through this, what would you tell your younger self or someone that's listening right now that could, you know, use some wisdom?
1: I would say... It sucks, but it can definitely be worse. And you don't have to hit what you view as a rock bottom to get help. Whatever point you want to get help, that's fine. If you only have one binge eating episode and you're like, I I can't, like I need to figure out what's wrong with me, go get help. You don't need to compare your struggle to anyone else's or your rock bottom to anyone else's. Whatever is the moment that you decide you aren't happy go fix it.
0: I love that. And will you please give everyone your information? So if they want to follow you or read your blog. Yeah. So on Twitter and
1: Instagram, I'm the Gen Levin and the name of my blog is finding my inner bombshell. And it's, Ooh. Just, <laughs> it's just finding my And if you do want help with an eating disorder, I do have a resource tab for eating disorder resources that I have found helpful or other people have recommended. So if you just want to find help and you don't want anyone to know, that's a great place to get some stuff.
0: Well, thank you for coming on today. And I, I'm so grateful.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciated this chance to talk. All right. Until next time.
0: Bye. Thank you again for listening to Secret Life Podcast. Please subscribe, share, send me a note, and you can always support the show with a donation on our site, secretlifepodcast.com. Until next time, bye.